Hello, and welcome to the Robert A. Heinlein Book Club. And in this episode, I will finish up my look at The Puppet Masters by by Heinlein, published in 1951, the first adult novel of his that we've looked at since, uh, I think, the before World War II. Um, he wrote, of course, those serialized uh, stories like Sixth Column and, and uh, those, kinds of, those kinds of stories, Revolt in 2100, all those. Um, but uh, he was writing mostly juveniles after World War uh, II, as we've seen, and he would continue to write them, but he starts to throw in some adult novels. I think we have four or five before he finishes his series of juveniles, including Door into Summer. Uh, the, is it The Dual Star? Is that the one? Is it, or vari- Variable Star is the rewrite that, that was posthumously published. The one with the actor. Um, but those uh, those will be inter. We'll, we'll we'll come. We'll read those as they come up. We're going to start each year with the juvenile that's published that year, and then read the rest of the stuff after that. But it's been fun. Um, I think what I've been emphasizing in my mind with this is just how much I kind of missed this part of Heinlein. I, I don't think this is a great book. I mean, I would kind of give it like a B minus or so if I was going to give it a grade. Um, I think in some ways the juveniles are actually better than this. I think this is too long. I think it's it's weakened by the lack of characters. I think if you're going to write an, a novel this long, twice as long as the juveniles, why centered on one character? Why is it just about Sam and, and to a lesser degree Mary and the old man who turns out to be Sam's father? Um, you know, I, I, it's something I miss with like Stephen King. Like he's able to handle a host of well-drawn characters. Um, Heinlein can spend, you know, almost 400 pages with a with what character, and he's not that as well drawn as someone that Stephen King can draw in in a page. You know, like if you think about all these passing characters in King's novels that are just there for, you know, a moment, maybe just a throwaway character, but they're like actually well drawn. Sam just doesn't seem that way. I think Heinlein's just not that good with characters. Maybe he gets better. Um, but I, I think that's just gonna that's just part of his style. Like they're just it's just like character. It's just like very stock characters are, are are put in. I think that's really a problem that's holding back the juveniles is that each of these boys is essentially interchangeable and, and kind of forgettable. Um, and I and I think if that's the case, like Maybe it doesn't matter we just talk about Sam because it's not like the other characters he introduced would have been more interesting, but a little more contrast between them. But I think in this particular case where you have a, a global war against these mind control slugs, and then the whole thing's being fought essentially by a handful of people in this secret agency, it's kind of unbelievable. And yeah, there are other characters, but they're they're just there to further the plot, I guess. And I don't know what, how you think about that. I, I think that's just maybe a fault of, of Heinlein's writing style and, and his, his way of telling his stories. 
it's not good ultimately. I think it's going to hold back a lot of his his stories. I think the with Dual Star novels like that, which are much more contained and small, like the juveniles, you can get away with it a little bit more. But you really feel it with a novel of this length. Um, that said, I think there's a lot to love in this particular book, um, and I, and mainly it comes down to Heinlein letting Heinlein be Heinlein, um, which he can't when he's writing for the younger audience. And you can tell he's been waiting for it. I, I talked about last time how disappointed I was that he just had Operation Bareback, uh, where people couldn't wear shirts or they could only wear like a, a bikini top to as, as a prophylactic against infection by the slugs, you know, basically like the equivalent of wearing masks today uh, in, in the times of COVID. Both the kind of a, advertising your participation in the effort to go against it, but also being a, a prophylactic against it because the slug can't hide. Well, it turns out the slug can attach in other parts of the body. So this has to get replaced with Operation Suntan, which is not full nudity, but basically you're allowed to wear essentially like a G-string and, and not much else about that. And a lot of people just choose not even to wear that. Um, and it's just like, excellent. Uh, you know, in Door into Summer, he, he time tra- the character time travels into a nudist colony. And it's like, why? Well, why not? You know, we want to put nudists in. Heinlein here makes the whole country <laughs> nudist. And he gets to spend page after page describing women nude or not wearing much. And he, you know, of course, Mary, all of his protagonist women are just hot. That's just what you get, I think. Um, I guess uh, the the Putin stories are a little an exception to that, but that's a very small exception. In the science fiction novels, the women are kind of of one type, uh, and it doesn't mean they're not competent. I think that's important. He is, he does have strong female characters. It's just they're of kind of one body type. They're I guess whatever Heinlein thinks is sexy is who they are, and he just likes describing them not wearing much. And we get a lot of pages of of those kinds of descriptions. And again, that's like, I like that stuff. A lot of readers these days may think this is all pretty gratuitous. Like, you know, obviously if there was an adaptation of Puppet Masters, and there was, I looked at it, the Wikipedia, not much nudity in that that story. But yeah, like you wouldn't have half the novel, everyone just walking around naked, as great as that would be, as excellent a film that would turn out to be. Maybe someone should just make the porno version of the Puppet Masters uh, because there is a scene. Uh, one of my predictions last episode was that you would have some kind of symbiosis forming between the slugs and the humans as a resolution. That's not what happens. The slugs are basically defeated, sort of. But you do have where they, they learn sex, and so they start to have, like, orgies, the slug-infected which are basically they're just the slugs at that point, figure out that with these new bodies they can have sex, and so they end up having orgies. And that's another, like, Heinlein just sort of added that because he could, and, and why not? And it's like, I wish there would have been more of that, uh, more of the slugs learning how to be humans and more of the humans learning to interact and deal with the slugs, almost like... I, I, you know what I'm kind of thinking of? Uh, I didn't read the books, but I did watch the, the television series, which is like 10 years old at this point, but The Strain, and if you know like the later season, season, or I forgot how many seasons it is, maybe it's just three, but at the end, after the nuclear bomb goes off and basically the vampires win, there's like episodes about them sort of having to interact because the humans were the food supply. So you couldn't kill them all off, eradicate them, 
but they sort of had to interact as two separate species on the same planet, one in a more dominant role and one in an inferior role. That would have been a kind of a cool story, I think, of like, you know, flash forward to the slugs winning, and then the humans have to like come to terms with being secondary in this, but the slugs, I guess the way it's panned out described here is because the way the slugs reproduce, they just, through through fission, they just break into break into two and then attach themselves if there's one available. So eventually all of humanity would be consumed. But what you could do is have uh, maybe half the population or a big 10% of the population is infected by slugs, including people in dominant positions. But the the SAM and the, the agency figure out a way to stop the spread, right? Maybe this operation nudity thing, this operation suntan works or something like that. And then you end up with two populations that have to sort of interact and, 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 and collaborate. And, and, you know, that could be interesting. There's a lot of ground to explore there because, first of all, they're hive-minded. The slugs basically are one entity that connects to kind of like if you've, if you've seen the Futurama movie, The Beast with a Thousand Backs. It's that kind of idea where everyone is kind of cl- tied into a collective consciousness. Um, very similar idea, actually. It's the back of the neck. It's not a slug. It's a tentacle in that, that series. But, um, well, if you've seen that, you know where that goes. But the I, I think there's potential here. So, again, a reason I kind of rate this novel a little bit less than maybe some others, and the reviews at the time were pretty good, is I, I think there's potential that that's lost here. And maybe this story was always just going to be what it is, and I'm just wanting it to be something else. But yeah, I, I, I do think this idea had a lot more potential than we've seen. And it ends up being kind of just very predictable and that eventually the, the, the good guys win and defeat the slugs. Um, so how much detail do we need to get into the plot of the rest of the story? Um, I, I think where I left off is about the time that Sam is sent to the red zone like basically Operation Bareback started and this allowed them to contain the spread in some areas. Eventually they have to expand it to total nudity to do this, but you have vigilantes attacking people. And then you have uh, to to enforce this, these rules. So that's a subplot. That's kind of interesting. Again, not as developed as it could have been. I think more on that would have been fun. Again, that would have required more characters and more fleshing out of the social circumstances, which instead... Heinlein doesn't. He wastes a lot of time on bullshit, um, like Sam and Mary marrying and their relationships. And this whole trip to the Soviet Union was kind of unnecessary. I mean, it's, it could have been dealt with a little bit easier, but I'm getting ahead of myself. He goes to, I think it's Kansas City or St. Louis or someplace like that, and you know, learns more about the slugs because these were areas that are in the red zone. And he learns that basically these areas are our lost cause. And, but... He also, they also learn how these, they, they reproduce, which means that in those lost areas, you can assume that basically everyone has a slug. So how do you fight that? Like, you, you can't just go in and like, kill everyone. Otherwise, you're killing off all the humans. You can't just nuke the areas. First, it wouldn't necessarily kill all the slugs, and it would kill all the people, which is what they're trying to avoid. Um, so there's that plot. Then he goes, he marries Mary, and then they go to the Soviet Union, basically on a fact-finding mission to find out if the slugs have gone there. And he does learn a little bit more about the slugs from that. Um, 
mission, but he learns that the, yeah, the slugs are are in, in other countries. Um, and eventually, the, the so the, even if they take care of it in Earth, they need a bigger solution. And they eventually uh, come to a solution. I'm skipping over a lot of the plot here because it's, you know, there's a whole issue with Mary being infected shortly. Um, but actually, Mary's pretty important for the solution because it turns out that she was infected by a slug earlier when she was young, but she was afflicted by this disease called the eight-day fever. It's called eight days because it kills you in eight days. Um, so she was saved from the slug at a young age, which was one of these earlier, like this is set in the late 20th century. So in the, the mid-20th century, with the Roswell thing, those were early like, investigations by the slugs that, from Titan, as it turns out, about Earth. Mary was like an early victim of them. And so she was able to be cured of it through this fever. So they find out that the fever will kill the slug before it kills the human. So there's a, a, a moment in time after the slugs are killed that you can like inject antitoxins, cure them of the nine-day fever before it kills them. It's really super risky. I was not totally satisfied with this. I think this is, the way it's presented, it's, it's too clean. First of all, diseases don't spread that fast, so you can't just infect an entire population with a fever all at once and then time it so we can come in three days later when the slugs have died and cure one of the eight-day fever. That's not how diseases spread, right? They're, they, it's rolling infections. Maybe in a small area you could do that, and I guess maybe that's what we're meant to believe is that they did this. I just, what you really needed, and that's what Heinlein couldn't give us because it's too easy of a solution, I think, which would be like, Something like the common cold killing it. Like that's the H.G. Wells solution, right? It's just, um, but that could have worked. I, I think it could have made for a shorter novel. We, we waste a lot of time on this. Knowing the solution is some sort of infection that can kill the slug but not kill the humans. But the easy solution he didn't want to do. He didn't want it to just be the common cold. He wanted it to be a little more difficult to work out. And why? Just to make the novel a little bit longer? Because the end result is the same. Very few humans die of the eight-day fever because they're able to infect everyone, kill the slugs, come in and, and cure them. Um, well, it could have been something like, you know, in Heinlein, why, why not make it like chlamydia or something? And then you could say, like, you gotta, we gotta, we got to fuck our way out of this. But anyways, it's, it is what it is. So instead we have this very super high-risk solution to the... So the slugs, which is like actually risk the lives of everyone infected because, I mean, we're actually told this fever kills people at like six and seven days sometimes. And that's, I think the slugs die on like the fourth or fifth day. That's like cutting it close. And then that's just not how infections work. We know from COVID that it's a rolling infection and, and these things take years to spread, you know, and, and resolve themselves naturally. So I think just getting rid of the life-threatening disease as a solution and, and make it something else would have been, it would have been more elegant. It, maybe, maybe people would have said this is just reductive of, 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 of wells and repeating it. Um, so then whatever. I, I actually think the most creative thing is to dump the whole killing off the slugs entirely and coming to terms with them as a, as a, as a, as a new species, uh, you know, not something that has to be eradicated and defeated, but something that is because we know like their individuality 
is taken from them. Um, but it's not entirely taken from them. There, with a few moments, we get inside the minds of the mind of Sam. It's the only one to really get as he's inf- infected by the slugs. He, he thinks back he hates it. But while he's infected by the slug, he seems to still be an individual person. He's just controlled by a master. Like that relationship could have been explored a lot more, too. And you'd have different maybe perceptions. The clean people might have an attitude of what this puppet are, we'll use the language of puppet because the book's called Puppet Masters, and what the puppet masters are, but that might not be reality. Like reality might be very different for the people who actually are infected by it. They may see it differently. And that would actually play with this idea of the Soviet Union versus the United States, which this is sort of a metaphor for, but he kind of bombs it. He fails to really, because he doesn't want to empathize much with the people infected. Um, and again, this is kind of something that I think that strain TV series kind of tried to do is like, what do the people who are infected with the, this, there's like worms, right, that make you into a vampire? How do they actually, they actually have some agency and autonomy. Um, they're not just controlled by the master. It's, it's a similar relationship, but there's still a space for autonomy for some of them. I think some were more droneish than others, apparently, but. What else to say about this? Um, I guess I'm kind of mostly complaining about some of what I think is missed opportunities in this this book. Um, that said, I do like the return to kind of horny Heinlein. Um, that's what we're going to call him from now on, I guess, because we're going to hopefully see a lot more of them. I know we will in pretty much all the adult novels. It's uh, The prudishness is, is more by necessity in the juveniles. Um, but... Definitely, that's a, that's an aspect of, of his writing I like, and I like that it's back. Um, more could have been done with it, obviously. There could have been a lot more with the, the slugs doing orgies things. I, I think there was an opportunity there to think, like, is there possibility for interactions, you know, between these? Is there a fetish subculture that loves sleeping with the slugs, the slug-infected people? So much lost opportunities. Kind of sad. Um, oh, the, the the major theme we got to return to because in the introduction, the preface or whatever that we we read, which was a preface to a later edition of this book, we're told it's about individuality versus the collective, essentially. And I questioned how effectively this is done because, in a sense, Sam's group is an authoritarian group, just like. The puppets, uh, the puppet masters, I mean, are kind of an authoritarian. So it doesn't quite work that it's the, it's not, it's the story we get is not of radical individualism versus collectivity. We get an, an oppressive top-down war against an infection, which obviously is what we'd expect, right? It's, you know, especially in this post-COVID time, it's not surprising that people had to sacrifice individual liberties for the greater good at and that's just the, what living in a society means you know you have to get your vaccinated you have to wear your mask you have to put up with certain rules and policies for the greater good and and obviously that's the situation we get in this story but the only sense we get of a true individual versus the institution kind of narrative is when sam starts to fight back against the in- institution so we have a scene for instance where he's forced to uh, be, Sam is forced to be reinfected by a slug so they can question it. 
uh, he refuses, and then they say, okay, we're going to do it to Mary. She's volunteered. So then he has to, like, he's basically coerced into accepting the slug again. Um, we see uh, several, his main tension is with the agency, the security agency he works for. And yeah, he hates the slugs. He hates the puppet masters, and he was fighting against them. But the alternative is just as authoritarian. Now, there's a few moments where he's like, oh, when this is all over, we're just going to get a homestead somewhere and, and farm. Yeah, that, that's kind of cliche Heinlein stuff, too. We never really see it go anywhere. In fact, the last thing we get of, of them is continuing the war to Titan, to errat, you know, commit genocide on Titan or deal with them. They're, they're infecting like elves on Titan. So I think this theme kind of fails. I, I think it's not, again, it could have been. This is actually a pretty good story for exploring this tension, but he's got the wrong character, the, the, like the wrong protagonist for that. The protagonist has the wrong job, the wrong point of view, because he's basically have a state point of view on this and not a true individualist perspective. Um, and where could that have come from? Well, it could have been uh, the vigilantes, Maybe it would have been a more fruitful way to tell the story from the perspective of the vigilantes, maybe telling it from the perspective of the infected and their conflict, and maybe a rebellion, looking at an actual rebellion against the parasites uh, and seeing how that could have played out. Because we know some resistance is at least possible. I guess it's kind of like almost like a matrix kind of narrative. This, this could have been done uh, with this broad rubric, but... He doesn't. So that's why we end up with this kind of mealy mouth story that's very predictable. predictable. Um, and not, there's not that many surprises, really. Um, you, the Earth's infected by the mind control parasites, and the, the Americans win. Defeat the mind control parasites and, and take the war to the enemy. That's all. It's, it's like typical Cold War stuff. And and not, uh, not, not great. I, I don't know. I think I don't want to say too much more about the puppet masters now. Um, not, not that excited by the by the novel. It's not what I'm going to revisit and come back to. It's just there. Um, I'm more excited to talk about the Rolling Stones. Uh, and to go back to the juveniles. I do like the that horny Heinlein is is back, even if just for for one novel. It's just. Such a long book that doesn't really do much. Now, I guess before we get that, I, do, we have the bulletin board. I don't know if I have the copy of it. Um, I have to look this up. Now, Poor Daddy, Cliff and the Calories, and the bulletin board are the put-in stories. Um, so these are like the girls, uh, juveniles. Uh, there's only three of them that build up to, to Pot Cane of Mars, which is sometimes also considered like the 13th or 14th juvenile. But again, that's like the juvenile for girls. Um, there's 12 mainstream ones. And then Starship Troopers, I think, is is sometimes considered the 13th. So depending on how you count, there's 12 to 14 of them. So there's the everyone agrees on the 12. And then Starship Troopers was rejected by, by Scribner. So it had to be published by another one. But it still kind of was written as the juvenile. Uh, series, and then Potkane would be the 14th. Um, so anyways, my point is the bulletin board, which I know nothing about, and I don't even know if I have it. I'll have to see if I have the, at least the, maybe I have the audio version of it. Um, but it's, 
I skip Port Eddy. Um, so we'll see if I can get a hold of the bulletin board. I'll, I'll talk about that in the next episode if I have it. Um, but I might just skip it and move on to the Rolling Stones. Um, and then if I, if I do do that, I'll try to go back and read Poor Daddy and the bulletin board. I'll, I'll dig around a little bit more for them and read them when I do Pope Cain of Mars. And I, and I hope that's not too offensive to the completionists out there like me. Um, I'm a completionist, obviously. That's my approach, but I always do have holes. I still have a bunch of Philip Dick that I have at the, the posthumous novels. I never got back to. I took some shortcuts in the Lovecraft series, too. So it's always inevitable that you're going to have these, um, these shortcuts. But uh, I'll try to correct it when we do Pope Cain, or at least talk about what I know about them um, in that context. So, um, so yeah, so chances are the next episode will be on the Rolling Stones, but it's possible, too, that I might talk about the bulletin board. Um, but we're really running out of short stories. I think we only really have uh, Year of the Jackpot, Project Nightmare, Skylift, A Tenderfoot in Space, which, uh, another Boy Scout story, The Man Who Traveled in Elephants All Used Zombies, Searchlight, Menace from Earth. That's it for short fiction. Um, yeah, that's fine. The novels are fun. Um, and will kind of keep me focused. I think sometimes it's easy to get lost in the short stories, but it's the, the, like a novel a week. It's a really good pace because I got a lot of other reading to do, obviously. But, um, you know, a Heinlein novel a week is not too hard to manage. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about the Rolling Stones with you. That'll get us uh, through. That's number six of the juveniles, if you're keeping track. Um, anything else in 52? I think that will probably be, be all for 1952. Oh, no, Year of the Jackpot, too. So we got a story and a novel for 1952. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be looking forward to that. So anyways, let me know what you think of the public. Oh, I promised I was going to watch uh, some Star Trek. Um, I did rewatch Conspiracy and Operation Annihilate for that. Uh, Operation Annihilate seems to have been influenced by um, by the story in a way, in the way the slugs are presented. Um, pl the plot's very different in, in that it's not so much taking them over and, and just kind of... L l expanding the slug civilization it's it's more it destroys the civilizations so it's kind of more like the brains in futurama if you remember them they're the i think futurama literally makes a joke about this episode because they're like the beginning of operation annihilate the crew of the enterprise are watching like this civilization was destroyed then this one then this one and this one's next uh just in a line it's, it's kind of ridiculous um but the the slugs just cause intense pain and eventually cause insanity, which leads a society to self-destruct. Um, now, instead of a disease being the solution, it's ultraviolet light, which blinds Spock, and then, but Spock will get his vision back. There's some, they write in, in the last scene, how Vulcans have inner eyelids. But it's just like light is, it defeats the creatures and kills them, and that solves the, the problem. I think it's not that comparable, except the visual idea of, well, the hive mind aspect, because the, the slugs in Operation Annihilate are, 
our, our a hive mind and uh, and so come kind of, I guess the way of infecting them is it's not really similar to be honest uh, it's you know because the light affects humans too so it's, it's not like it's something that affects the slugs but not humans but they're able to stop it it's like the look of them I guess is is similar um, yeah um, as for conspiracy that's actually closer thematically to what's going on in um, in the puppet masters which of course you know that's the next generation episode where uh, Picard and Riker find out there's a conspiracy uh, in among high-ranking Starfleet uh, uh, admirals and such, and it turns out they're infected by the by insect creatures that take them over from the inside, and they're they're visible from a little tail uh, that you can see in the back of the neck. Um, so visually very different. The solution is, I mean, it's this, it's never solved, right? I think that's notorious about that episode. It was like they 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 cut off the head of the conspiracy, but apparently it's still going on. What they I think they they all die when they, the the mother, the host is killed, which is you know infects the one. So it's 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 like a, it's like the Avengers thing, or you kill the mothership and everyone everyone just dies. Um, but they, they never really come back. Um, which probably is a lost opportunity in Star Trek, but but I don't know. Not much to say. I, I did watch them, but I didn't watch the movie The Puppet Masters because it looks really bad, but it's it's there if anyone wants to watch that too. Um, yeah, I don't want to say too much more about The Puppet Masters. I'm done with it. Uh, just all I really have to say is there's some potential here. I think it's, I think it's mostly lost and probably skippable if you're not a completionist like me. So anyways, let's let's uh, gear up for another juvenile uh, with uh, the Rolling Stones, which one I definitely read before, a uh, very math-based one. It's, it's maybe, I've been talking how every juvenile has like been better than the last one. I think that trend, if I remember the Rolling Stones correctly, I think that trend's going to change. I think the Rolling Stones is not as good as... Um, Farmer in the Sky or Between Planets. So far, the best of them. Um, and then I think I haven't read like the Star Beast or uh, Tunnel in the Sky or those others, Citizen of the Galaxy. So it's pretty much new to me from this point forward. So we'll we'll see. Hopefully they keep getting a little bit better or at least maintain this high quality. But anyways, that's uh, going to be it for now. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.